We are in Yevamos Lama Dalet Omer Aleph 34A2 in the Art Scroll Gemara. Uh, the Gemara is continuing its discussion on its commentary on the Mishnah. Uh, again, the Mishnah discussed the following case. The case is where uh, two people, uh, two couples got halachically engaged. They were halachically engaged. And then for the wedding, which involves the chuppah and then also marital relations, uh, the two couples got mixed up. And the husband from one of the couples had relations with the wife from the other couple. And also uh, the husband from the other couple had relations with uh, the wife from the other from the other couple. So they there were two couples where they got mixed up. Um, and the mission says that that's a violation, that's adultery, that it's peshogig, it's unintentional, uh, but it's adultery. And if the case was where there are two brothers, the two people, the two men were two brothers, so then that's also a, an additional prohibition of having relations with one's brother's wife. And if they were also two sisters, so then it would also be an additional prohibition of having relations with one's wife's sister. Um, and also the Mishnah says that if the women were in Nida, they're in a state of impurity from uh, having uh, a period and not going to the mikvah, so then that would be an additional prohibition. Um, and that would be a total of four prohibitions with four, um, four people in total. So in total, that is 16 different prohibitions. And that is why uh, the Gemara says that they would have to bring a total of 16 karbanos, 16 sin offerings uh, in total. And so there are two different discussions that the Gemara is currently discussing, two different topics within this Mishnah. Uh, and as to how one could ha- bring all these different korbanos, all these different offerings, one discussion uh, is a discussion as to whether or not these prohibitions exist. How could all of these prohibitions exist? Isn't there a concept called Ein Isr Chalal Isr, that once there's already one prohibition within this type of a relationship or within this act, um, so once there's already one type, one prohibition, so then a second prohibition cannot come afterwards and... Uh, add on to that pre-existing prohibition. Unless there's a potential potential for three exceptions, not that everybody holds of all three exceptions or, for, or of any of these exceptions, but there's potentially three different exceptions. That is if the, both prohibitions begin to exist at the same time, what we refer to as Bas Achas, and then the other two are Isr Kolo and Isr Mosif, essentially different ways of where the prohibition will exist anyways within another context, within a different context, uh, so then it will also exist uh, within the context that we are discussing. Um, and so those are, the, those are the different exceptions. And the Gemara said that in order to have all four prohibitions of our Mishnah, uh, one would have to follow the position of Rav Meir, and Rav Meir is of the opinion that all three are, in fact, exceptions to the rule. That's something that we discussed in the last recording. That is one discussion. A second discussion is with regards to uh, the following. There is a dispute, there's a machlokas between Rabbi Yeshua and Rabbi Lezer. In the case of Ta'ab Bidvar Mitzvah, what happens if a person makes a mistake and they think that they are doing a mitzvah, but in fact they are committing a sin? So for example, this is the example that we discussed in the last recording. Uh, if there is a bris milah, let's say there are two babies who are born, one is supposed to have a bris milah on Shabbos, the other one is supposed to have a bris milah on a circumcision on Sunday. And on Shabbos you are allowed to perform a bris milah provided that the baby is eight days old. As long as the baby is eight days old, you're allowed to do a bris milah on Shabbos. However, 
if you do a bris milah for somebody who is not eight days old, so then that is not just not a mitzvah, but it's actually a violation of Shabbos. And so what happens in a scenario where the babies got mixed up and there's a bris is done to the baby who is not eight days old, so then that would be viewed as a violation of Shabbos. So if one unintentionally violates Shabbos in general, so then they're required to bring a sin offering, a korban chatas. Uh, but in this case, where not only is it unintentional, but it's also their intention was to perform a mitzvah, so there's a dispute between Rabbi Yeshua and Rabbi Lezer as to whether or not they would have to bring a korban chatas, a sin offering. Rabbi Yeshua says that they do not have to bring one because they had intention to perform a mitzvah. And Rabbi Lezer says, no, they would still have to bring a korban chatas. They still have to bring a sin offering. It is included in all the other cases where if it's an unintentional sin, so then they would have to bring a Korban Chattas, a sin offering. And so our Gemara, where we left off, our Gemara first said that in order for our Mishnah to exist, where where there are 16 Karbanos, 16 sin offerings which are brought, one would have to assume like Rabbi Eliezer. One would have to assume that even though their intention is to do a mitzvah, because in this case they are getting married, they're under the chuppah, they're getting married, and then they have marital relations as a completion of the marriage. So their intention is to perform a mitzvah, seemingly the mitzvah of marriage, which is its own discussion. Is there a mitzvah of marriage or not? Or is it just a mitzvah to have children? Uh, but assuming that there's a mitzvah to, to, to get married, which seems to be the simple understanding of our Gemara, uh, so uh, their intention is to perform this mitzvah. In the end, they actually perform an avera. They, perform, they, they do a sin because... Uh, they mix up, the, the couples get mixed up, and so they're, they, they commit uh, four sins, each person. And so one would have to assume, like Rabbi Leazar, that even though their intention is to do a mitzvah, still they would have to bring a korban chatos. The Gemara now gives an alternative answer, and says that even according to Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua, who in general says that there's an exemption from bringing a korban chatos, a sin offering, in this case, they would have to bring a sin offering, even if their intention is to perform a mitzvah. Why? Explains the Gemara, Ibai Seima. We can say as follows: Really, the Mishnah, which is the opinion of Rav Meir, he could fit even within the opinion of Rabbi Yeshua, who says that in general one would have to bring, one would be exempt from a sin offering from a korban chatas if they think their intention is to do mitzvah. Why? Kikam Rabbi Yeshua Tabadar Mitzvah Pater Animili Gabe Tinokos Dizmano Baho Avalahai Came Dizmano Baho Lo. When did Rabbi Yeshua say? that there's a total exemption from bringing a sin offering. It's not just when one's intention is to do a mitzvah and they end up doing an avera, but it's an additional condition. It's a, it's a combination of the two. It's A, their intention is to do a mitzvah, but B, also the reason why they messed up or they, they did an avera is because zmano bahol, because there was this time pressure involved and they were rushed. And because of this time pressure... In addition to the fact that they thought that they were doing a mitzvah, the two combined says that they are exempt from bringing a korban chatas, a sin offering. And that that exists in the, in the example that, that we uh, gave a minute ago of the, of the circumcision, of the bris milah. Because the circumcision has to take place, it's ideal for it to take place on the eighth day. And so, therefore, there is this... Uh, Zmano Bahal aspect of, of being rushed because of the time, that there's a certain time where you have to make sure that you perform this bris milah. So, and, and their intention is to do a mitzvah of bris milah. So the fact that they switched the babies around and they performed their bris milah on the baby where it's not the eighth day and it was Shabbos, 
So that's when Rabbi Yeshua says there's an exemption from bringing a sin offering. But here, in our case of getting married, there's no, there's no rush because of time. They could get married today, they could get married tomorrow, they could get married any day. So the only factor is the fact that your intention is to perform a mitzvah. But according to this second answer, Rabbi Yeshua would say that no, one would have to bring a sin offering in this case because even though their intention is to perform a mitzvah, but still you also need the second factor, which is that uh, there's this rush because of time. So the Gemara says, oh, but we can find other cases that Rabbi Yeshua says that there's an exemption and, and it doesn't seem to be that there's any time issue. It seems to be that just their intention is for a mitzvah and yet there's an exemption. So the Gemara asks, Vahari Truma. What about Truma? De'ein's manabahol. There's an example by Truma. Truma uh, is what a Kohen is allowed to eat. And apparently there's a case, as we're, we're about to see, where Rabbi Yeshua says somebody who was a Kohen uh, but had... Uh, some sort of psul, some sort of reason why they're not allowed to. There's a prohibition for them to have truma, and yet they ate truma, uh, so they thought that they were doing a mitzvah. Uh, so uh, Rabbi Shua says that they're exempt from bringing us an offering. Or, or we'll see the exact case, that there's an exemption. Vikapatr did not, because it says in a Mishnah, let's say a Kohen was eating truma. A Kohen was eating truma. And then afterwards it became known, afterwards it became known that Really, he's not allowed to eat truma. Why is he not allowed to eat truma? Because if he's uh, the son of a relationship, which was a, uh, which was a prohibition, a Kohen is not allowed to marry a divorcee. Uh, and so if he marries a divorcee, and this is the child of that relationship, or the child of the relationship between a Kohen and a Chalutza. A Chalutza is this uh, quasi-form of of a divorce. It's not It's not a divorce, but it's... It's where uh, a Kohen marries a woman who went through the process of chalitza, uh, which is similar to divorce. Uh, so then it becomes revealed that he is the child of such a forbidden and prohibitive relationship. So that child is not allowed to eat truma, but he ate truma without knowing. So Rabbi Lezer Karen says that he has to repay the normal amount. If a person is not allowed to eat truma, eats truma, they have to pay back the principal plus 25% plus really 20, 25%. Um, and Rabbi Yeshua, it's, it's, it's a fifth from the outside. And literally it says Chomech, which is a fifth, but it means a fifth from the from the outside, but it really means uh, 25%. So they would have to pay the principal plus 25%. Rabbi Yeshua Poter, Rabbi Yeshua exempts them. Why does Rabbi Yeshua exempt them? Because their intention was to do a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah to eat truma for the Kohen, for the Kohen to eat truma, the designated food that's given to the Kohen. And even though really uh, he was not allowed to eat from it because he was the child of a relationship which was a forbidden relationship for that Kohen, for the Kohen to marry a divorcee. Uh, so therefore he's exempt because his intention was to do a mitzvah even though uh, he was not allowed to eat it. He didn't realize it was unintentional. Um, and so therefore he is exempt. In, in that case, to eat truma, that's not, uh, that's, not a, that's not time-bound. There's no rush for time. You can eat truma whenever you want. So it seems to be that Rabbi Yeshua holds up this exemption uh, even as long as one has intention to do a mitzvah, even if it's uh, not a rush for time. So the Gemara answers, no. Ha'itmar Allah, Amr of Bibi Barabaye, it's stated with regards to that mission that Bibi Barabaye says, Hacha betruma be'er pesach askinan dizman No, the case that Rabbi Yeshua says that there's an exemption is really uh, with a rush for time because the case is specifically in one instance where it's one circumstance where it's Arab Pesach. It's the day before Pesach and one has to get rid of their chametz. 
They really have to get rid of their chametz. The truma that we are discussing here is truma co- food, which is designated to the kohen, which is chametz. And so therefore, there's a big rush to get rid of all the chametz. And so therefore, there is this uh, time uh, time issue. And so therefore, it's really the combination of the two, according to the second explanation of the Gemara. The first explanation of the Gemara was to say that our Mishnah is like um, Rabbi Eliezer, that our Mishnah, which says that there is a sin offering, there is a Korban Chattis, would be like Rabbi Eliezer, who says that even if one's intention is for a mitzvah, one still brings a sin offering. The second explanation says that, no, even Rabbi Yeshua would agree that in our Mishnah, uh, one brings a sin offering because it has to be a com- it has to be both factors have to exist. A, the fact that one has intentions for a mitzvah, and B, that there's also uh, a, a time, there's a rush for time. And so the case of truma is also a rush for time. It's A, a mitzvah, because it's a Kohen who wants to eat truma. Um, and then they realize afterwards that they're not allowed to eat truma, allowed to eat truma because they're the child of this uh, prohibitive relationship uh, between a Kohen and a divorcee. And there is a time factor involved because it is Arab Pesach. It is the day before Pesach and they have to get rid of all the chametz. So there, both of them combined uh, will, according to the second explanation, will exempt somebody from a sin offering. But our Mishnah is not, they don't have that rush for time. A person can get married whenever. Uh, so they don't have that rush for time. It could be today, it could be tomorrow. Uh, and all there is is the intention to perform a mitzvah. And so therefore, even according to Rabbi Yeshua, within the second explanation, even Rabbi Yeshua would agree that one would bring a korban chatas, a sin offering. Okay, that is the end of that part of the Gemara. The Gemara now is returning back to the original discussion about Ein Isr Chalal Isr. And we explained originally of Ein Isr Chalal Isr that in our Mishnah one would have to assume like all three exceptions to the rule that even though in general a second prohibition cannot exist once there's already a first prohibition with regards to these people or this relationship or this act. Um, uh, and the Gemara originally said that the Mishnah therefore has to follow the opinion of Rav Meir because Rav Meir is of the opinion that all three are, in fact, exceptions to the rule. The Gemara now wants to give an alternative explanation to that. It could be like Rameir, but we could also explain alternatively, one does not have to hold of all three exceptions to the rule. Alternatively, one could say, One could say that all four prohibitions, they start, the potential uh, to violate all four prohibitions, they begin at the exact same time. And it could be even according to Rabbi Shimon, even according to Rabbi Shimon, who we've explained in the past, in general, he doesn't hold of exceptions to the rule. Generally, he says that in Isr Chal Isr, that the second prohibition cannot exist, but he would agree in the case where both prohibitions, the possibility to violate both prohibitions, begin at the very same time. How is that possible in our case? In our case, there are two couples who who were engaged, and they get, they get engaged, and at the, at the moment that they are engaged, that's when the prohibition begins to either uh, commit adultery, that's when it begins, or to marry your brother's wife or your wife's sister. And these are two couples who are getting married. So they get married, seemingly they get married at different times. And also we, one has to take into account the nida, the, when they, when they uh, become a nida, when they get their period at that point in time, once they get their period, so then they are not allowed to have relations. So all of this is taking place at different times. So what does it mean that they're all that these prohibitions exist simultaneously? or the potential to, to, to violate, uh, to commit a sin, they, they exist uh, all at the same time simultaneously. So the Gemara says as follows, Bishlom who one could explain the first three uh, prohibitions, i.e. the prohibition of adultery, of marrying your brother's wife, uh, and 
not marrying, of having relations with your brother's wife and having relations with your wife's sister. Those three, the first three, that can exist uh, simultaneously. We can have the following case. Essentially, both couples have to get married at the same exact moment. And if the, both couples get married at the same exact moment, so then all three of those prohibitions could begin at the same time. So essentially, how does that happen? So the, mission, the Gemara says that if the two brothers appoint a shaliach, a messenger, an agent, uh, to, to, to do the act of kiddushin, of the halachic engagement, of, let's say, giving of the ring, or, or giving of the shtar, of the document, uh, and the two sisters also appoint an agent, they also appoint an agent to accept uh, the ring, and that's also allowed, uh, not as romantic, but it's definitely allowed. Uh, so then, uh, then that agent, they appoint the same agent, the brothers appoint one agent, the, the sisters appoint a different agent, and that one agent gives it to the other agent, to the other messenger, at the same exact time. So at that very moment, both of them, both couples are now viewed as halachically engaged at the very same time. So then, once they are both halachically engaged, so then the first three prohibitions begin at the very same moment. Uh, the potential to violate these prohibitions begin at the very same moment, i.e., uh, there's both a, pro- a prohibition of committing adultery, of marrying your brother's wife, and marrying your wife's sister. That all exists at the same time. But what about nida? But with regards to that last prohibition of nida, of having relations with somebody who is impure because they had their period, and they did not yet go to the mikvah, so then that happens at any point in time. That doesn't, that doesn't happen at the very moment that... How do you have a scenario where that happens at the very moment when they, when they, get halachic, when they are halachically engaged? So the Gemara says, no, it is possible. And they, they say the, the case is as follows. And we, we will explain the Gemara according to Rashi. There are other explanations, but we'll explain it according to Rashi. Essentially, the case is as follows. A similar case to uh, to something that the Gemara discussed in last week's recording. Essentially, uh, the case is where uh, they are getting married right when the the brothers, the two brothers, are twins, and the two sisters are also twins, and they are also the cases where they were also born on the same day of the year. So let's say they were both born on Rosh Hashanah, the first day of the year, uh, but they were born a year apart. So the brothers are older. So the brothers turn 13 at the very same day that the sisters turn 12. Right? That's the case. You could come up with the case. The brothers turn 13 at the same, very same day that the sisters turn 12. So they both become obligated in commandments, in both positive and negative commandments, on that very same day. And on that day, let's say they had their period before they were 12. But it has no ramifications because they're not, uh, they're not uh, a halakhic adult yet. So they had their period beforehand, and they appointed messengers, agents to uh, to uh, perform this act of kiddushin, this act of halakhic engagement. Let's say even before they turned thirteen and twelve, and they said they stipulated that they gave the ring, but they said that the halakhic engagement will only begin once they become thirteen and twelve, once they become uh, halakhic adults. That was the condition that was put into the engagement. And so that at that very moment, that night when they, be, they, when they become adults, because they each turn 13, the brothers turn 13, the girls turn 12, at that very moment, all four prohibitions exist. Because the three prohibitions of, 
of adultery, your brother's uh, having relations with your brother's wife or with your wife's sister, that that exists at that very moment. And also, since they had their period beforehand, but that prohibition only begins at the very moment that they, the girls become 12 years old. And so that also begins at that very moment. So it, it's possible to come up with a case where all four prohibitions exist. They begin, the possibility to violate them begins at the very same time. Um, and that's, that's the conclusion of the Gemara. So the Gemara says that it is possible. So we don't, the point of the Gemara is that we don't have to explain like Rav Meir, who holds of all three exceptions, we could hold like Rav Shimon and say that the only exception to the rule that we need for our Mishnah to say that one violates all four prohibitions is the exception of all, all prohibitions happening at the same exact time. And we could come up with a case. It is a it's an unlikely scenario, but one could come up with a case where all four prohibitions could exist at the same time. One last point, and then we'll conclude. It's interesting uh, that according to this explanation, uh, the children are appointing an agent uh, to get married and to, and to accept the marriage even before they're of the age of 13 and 12. And in general, we have the rule that uh, children uh, do not have the halakhic ability to appoint a messenger to, uh, to acquire things for them or to perform transactions or to perform marriages for them. And yet in this case, this does apply. It's an interesting question as to why. Uh, which is a greater, bigger discussion, which is discussed by by the different commentators. But it's uh, it's an important um, outcome of this uh, of this uh, discussion. We'll con- we'll continue with the with this Gemara in the next recording.